Banks and credit unions are known to be skeptical about new ways of doing things, but the double whammy of COVID and competition is starting to change that slow adopter mentality when it comes to the cloud. Chris Zingo, Executive Vice President for the Americas at Finastra, joins us to talk about why the cloud is no longer a do-it-or-don't-do-it decision. Actionable insights can help power smart decisions. Each week, the BAI Banking Strategies podcast focuses on important issues facing financial services leaders, as well as the emerging trends that are rapidly reshaping the financial industry. I'm Terry Badger, your host and the managing editor at BAI. Pull up a chair and join us. The digital acceleration in banking during the pandemic has put many traditional banking institutions on their back foot. This has been an opportunity for those nudging banks and credit unions toward cloud technologies. Chris Zingo, Executive Vice President for the Americas at Finastra, is with us to talk about how banks are changing how they think about the cloud and how that may help them competitively. Chris, thank you for joining us on the BAI Banking Strategies podcast. Thank you. Great to be here. Chris, financial services has not been moving to the cloud as quickly as many other industries. And that later adopter approach, it may be understandable given the regulatory hurdles and the huge amounts of sensitive customer data that banks and credit unions possess. What signs are you seeing that traditional banking institutions are now getting more comfortable with the idea of the cloud? Well, yes. I mean, typically, um, financial service industry was a bit behind the curve in terms of adopting cloud. When you look at the reasons why, there are really three main reasons. Less control over their data or perception that they have less control over their data or general concerns about data privacy and or the risk of data breach. The other element is cost, right? These hyperscalers, you know, the public cloud platforms, Microsoft, Google, AWS, typically they're less transparent for institutions into determining their current and future costs. And I think the last is really inertia, uh, which is really stemmed from ignorance in terms of the true impact of cloud and the real risks associated with, you know, data protection and or availability. I think now, and COVID obviously served as a force function to accelerate cloud innovation agendas pretty much out of necessity because what COVID did was it turned the traditional branch banking model of high touch, low volume, literally on its head overnight where they couldn't get FTEs actually in the branch. They couldn't get customers in to sign loan agreements physically. So they were forced to accelerate the adoption of cloud technologies, things like digital banking, originating deposit openings, and or virtual execution of loan documents. Those are the types of things that they were forced to adopt. And in doing so, they saw the benefits associated with adoption and then obviously accelerated their cloud roadmap. So I think now, year plus into the pandemic, what we're seeing is that pretty much the horse has left the barn is whether or not institutions will go to the cloud or are going to the cloud. The real question is, how do they get there? And what does that journey look like? You mentioned security as a concern. The enduring image of U.S. banks is that of the financial fortress. So there's a degree of default thinking that it's safer to keep valuable stuff like data inside their formidable walls, right? So how should they be thinking about the data risks of using the cloud today? Part of our engagement with our clients is educating them about the benefits of current cloud technology with respect to the things that they're concerned about. If you look at benefits of cloud technology with respect to data security and 
managing that, it's pretty overwhelming. Cloud is more secure. And I think there are three primary reasons. One is version control. In-house technology requires a high level of maintenance from the bank and the vendor providing the service. They must maintain all of the versions in perpetuity. They must patch those versions, right? Because those versions have adjustments, have updates, have new capabilities that are constantly being ported. So it's almost impossible for clients who manage technology in-house to maintain the most recent version of the technology. And why that's relevant is much of the cyber security and cyber protection is evolving pretty rapidly to identify new threats, to identify new heuristic patterns of anomalies on your network, things that are evolving. So that's one key element of it. Second is the cloud platform. If you look at just Microsoft, AWS, and Google, collectively, they spend $3.5 billion a year just on cybersecurity. So with those platforms comes the tooling, the monitoring, the prevention, basic things like authentication, authorization. Much of the innovation that these institutions, our clients, are adopting today are birthed outside of the walls of our clients. And what providers like Finastra do is link our clients with that technology innovation on the cloud. So that if we're on the cloud, we can link, and that's a big part of our strategy, third-party fintech with our clients' underlying banking services so that they can adopt innovation, consume it, and deliver it to their clients rather than having to develop it themselves or procure it from a third-party vendor, implement it, and then resell it to their clients. So the life cycle of innovation, the pace, has just increased exponentially. Neobanks and fintechs have, of course, fully embraced, and they're heavily reliant on cloud-based capabilities. Their nimbleness and the fact that they're built for the mobile channel presents a big competitive challenge to the incumbent banks. So how much of a difference should banks expect the cloud to make in terms of raising their competitive game? Obviously, neobanks have the luxury of you know, starting with a native cloud technology without the encumbrance of legacy technology and or legacy business models around you know, siloed channels and various products that many of their competitors are facing today. Cloud enables fast time to market. It dramatically lowers the cost structure, right? both technology-wise and supporting the technology with headcount because much of that is outsourced. Much of that is automated on the cloud. And it also facilitates a better user experience because native cloud technologies are adopting fintech capabilities that are much more preferred by the end user of financial institutions. I think it's the same thing for the traditional institutions, right? Many of them are transforming the way they deliver capabilities to their clients. And their focus is on their customer user experience. And they're looking at omni-channel capabilities and they're looking at frictionless capabilities that they can distribute to their clients so that their clients can get a holistic picture and a 360 of their banking. You know, rather than having to use multiple banking applications, use both physical branch as well as online capabilities to do their banking. So the way traditional institutions, they're using the playbook of Neobank and they're picking segments of their market, segments of their customers that they would like to start with uh, to start that level of cloud and digital transformation. Many of them are starting with the customer online user experience. Many banks tend to struggle with their long-term technology planning, and there's been a lot of cases of bolting new tech onto legacy tech when they're trying to upgrade and improve efficiency. You mentioned a little bit about that earlier. 
When you run into this kind of piecemeal approach when working with a client or with a prospect, what advice do you give them to try to get them to think more holistically? That piecemeal approach is really symptomatic of a couple things. One is our clients are always balancing priorities. And those priorities are driven by two things, regulatory mandates and as well as you know, their innovation agenda, right? the things that will drive revenue growth and overall growth of the business. So typically those competing constraints, particularly when there's a regulatory requirement that is time sensitive, kind of could potentially result in the necessity for patchwork. But I think in reality, many institutions maintain this kind of patchwork because they're in the process now of evolving and thinking about their long-term strategies. And the first question they have to answer is, what type of financial institution do they want to be? What is their business model? And until they can answer that, it's very difficult to make strategic investments. So that's the first piece. Second piece is many of our clients don't know how to transform you know, their infrastructure into a truly cloud-native stack. So what we have to do is we have to identify their broader business priorities. We have to elevate the dialogue to talk about where they want to be in two to five years and then work backwards and then use those tactical priorities as a way to create milestones of technologies that we can put in production while sunsetting legacy capabilities over a journey in a spectrum. And at the end of that journey in spectrum, they arrive at an end state, which is transformed, which gets them the cloud native, which gets them to a much better cost structure in terms of uh, minimizing their fixed cost base and gives them much more agility to deliver future innovation. So it's really that journey to value that is incumbent on vendors like us, providers like us, to educate our clients and walk them through. The demand for better digital functionality to be able to do more on their phones, to be able to do it fast and easy, that's being pushed by the millennials and Gen Z primarily. The boomers and Gen Xers, we're increasingly going digital as well, but our expectations are different. We remember teller lines, and we remember, some of us at least, uh, you know, banks locking their doors at three in the afternoon. The younger generations are the future core customers. So how is their gradual ascendancy changing the way banks are thinking about the user experience that they're providing? I think that's one of the primary drivers. I mean, open banking, that dynamic has been around for a while, starting with PSD2 in, in Europe, which is a regulatory mandate, forcing banks to open up their data to give their end users choice and access to potential innovation that they wouldn't have had otherwise. But if you look at the momentum, much of the investment of momentum over the last years is happening in the U.S. And U.S. is not a regulatory mandate, right? It's open market. If you look at H1 of this year, just H1, about 98 billion of investments went into financial services technology. Over 55% of that was in the U.S. And what's been driving that is the end user demand. U.S. banks have known and seen this trend for the last few years in terms of the demands of their customer base. That's been compounded by new fintechs coming in, potentially disintermediating part of their supply chain, like many of the payment providers, because of the user experience. So I think open market has driven much more innovation in the U.S. in terms of how they adopt technology than you would think otherwise, and more so than geographies where there's a regulatory mandate. We talk about the cloud as if it were a, a single entity hovering up above us uh, somewhere. 
it's kind of more nuanced than that, right? There's what's called the public cloud. There are the so-called private clouds. And, and then there are hybrid models, you know, sort of public-private combinations. I'd imagine that there are pros and cons for each type of cloud, but which one do you think is the right one for banks and credit unions? You know, what we're seeing, and we've seen customers go through this journey, many of the larger institutions, they had a step to cloud strategy, maybe starting with private cloud, moving into containerization of certain applications in their ecosystem so they could leverage open source, potentially doing hybrid. Now, universally, what we're seeing is Again, I think that horse has left the barn. I think most, if not all, know that they're going to public cloud at some point. And the question is how they get there. And many of them are using the segments of their business or segments of their innovation agenda to step to that cloud. So I'd say universally now, I'm seeing more of an acceptance that public cloud makes the most sense. I recently saw a study or an article that said that just five cloud companies control roughly 80% of the industry, and that a single one of them, Amazon Web Services, they account for more than half of that 80%. Amazon catches a lot of flack for its high market share in online retail, that among other things, it's able to pinch off future competition. It's been accused of trying to dictate preferential terms with its vendors. So coming back to the cloud discussion here, Having such a high market concentration in the hands of a small number of providers, is this something that banks should be concerned about? Well, I think they are concerned about it. Again, it goes back to one of their top three concerns. I mean, the concentration of purchasing power, the the pricing power that the hyperscalers may have, and the potential lack of transparency and control is a concern. I think there's a general view. The platform ecosystem of hyperscalers expands as each of these platforms become more compatible with each other. The competition in the marketplace will kind of manage naturally those dynamics. But today it is a concern and it is real. Certainly we can expect the cloud to change in the years ahead. Maybe it will be even more concentrated or maybe it will be more diffuse. It feels safe to say that it will offer more speed, more ease of use and more functionality because that seems to be the way it always goes with transformative tech. So Chris, let me ask you to go out, say five, 10 years, How do you envision the cloud evolving? Cloud is an enabler. The technologies that impact the typical technology architecture of a cloud stack, how those technologies are used are unknown, and that'll be influenced by the availability of technology. One thing we do know is that Moore's law is on steroids, right? And these paradigm shifts are happening exponentially. So no one can predict what it's going to look like in the future. So what you have to do is ensure that you have a technology architecture and strategy that is agile enough and nimble enough to adjust to the new technologies that influence the direction of the broader technology ecosystem. And so much of what you have to think about now is agility and ability to adopt at scale. And there's a defined architecture, right, that's best practice that most people are working to now, but that will change. Moore's law on steroids, you say. So that gives us an idea of how tough it is to make a go-forward decision that can be overtaken by change so quickly. But then again, sitting still isn't much of an option either, is it? So Chris Singo, Executive Vice President for the Americas at Finastra, we appreciate you joining us on the BAI Banking Strategies podcast. Thank you. Great to be here. 
A few takeaways from our conversation with Finastra's Chris Zingo. First, financial services has been slower than other industries in moving to the cloud for a few reasons. There are worries about data security and concern about having less control over data. Cost is another factor, and another reason is inertia. Chris says COVID lit a fire under slower-moving banks and credit unions, and now he says the big decision is not about whether to go to the cloud, but instead how to get there. The digital acceleration due to the pandemic has been a boon to neobanks and other fintechs that have always been cloud-based. Faster time to market, lower cost structure, and better customer experience are among the advantages. Traditional banking institutions that are trying to tap into those same competitive advantages are often starting with digital customer experience via omnichannel delivery and reducing frictions encountered by users. And finally, Chris Zingo says the patchwork way that Finastra's banking clients are moving toward the cloud reflects an effort to advance their innovative agenda to drive revenue growth, while at the same time minimizing their regulatory risks. He says many are also trying to set their long-term business strategy. That is, what type of financial institution do they want to be? Until they answer that question, he says it's difficult to make strategic investments. Thank you for listening to the BAI Banking Strategies Podcast. I'm Terry Badger, Managing Editor at BAI. Please visit us at BAI.org for more actionable insights on themes that are important for the financial services industry.